Hey friends, welcome to the Robin Graham show. I'm so grateful you're joining me for another episode where we dive into entrepreneurship, faith, mental health, and so much more. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a brand strategist, business coach, and mentor. Join me every week to learn how mindset, strategy, and action combined will produce the results you are dreaming of. Discover your purpose and follow your God-led callings, values, visions, and passions to create a personal brand and strong foundation for long-term success. The sky is the limit when we spend time with like-minded people. Through interviews and solo episodes, we'll be diving into inspiring stories, life and business journeys of failure and success, and the strategies and tools used along the way. Ready to learn? Grab your cup of coffee, the car keys, or the dog's leash, and let's dive in to this episode. Building and scaling a business for long-term success can be stressful, especially for high-achieving women who have fear and anxiety. That is where I come into play. As a business and mindset coach, I help you overcome mindset barriers, find clarity around your purpose and God-led calling, create a personal brand and brand marketing strategy, teach you the behind-the-scenes tech, systems and processes and hold you accountable for taking intentional action whether you are just starting out or want to scale beyond six figures my purpose to results coaching method will save you time energy and money and help you reach your goals serve more clients and make more money faster you don't know what you don't know you aren't meant to build your business alone and it doesn't have to be hard and frustrating I'm here to share all I know with you so that you can build your business with confidence, knowing that you won't be spending money and time without results. Here's what my client Naomi recently said about working with me. Robin sees your potential and pushes you to see beyond your fear and instead focus on the possibilities of what you can do. She patiently answered all my questions and shared her vision of all the things I could do with my my business. She guided me each step of the way from knowing nothing about starting a business to now being ready to launch. I know I am way ahead of where I would have been. I don't see how people start an online business without her help. It was worth every penny. Are you curious about how I can help you build and scale your dream business? Go to www.therobingram.com and schedule a discovery call with me. You'll be surprised how much we accomplish for your business in just 30 minutes. I can't wait to learn about your business. Talk to you soon. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Robin Graham show. You guys, so often I say to you that I'm so excited for this conversation that I'm going to have and the interview and the guest, but today is absolutely no exception. And I have to say my heart is really full for this conversation. I am going to be introducing Morgan Hancock to the show, but I want to give you a little backstory about her first, because I want everyone right now to think about going to her Instagram account and thanking her because she is a U.S. Army veteran. How blessed are we to have her in our presence and the fact that she actually fought for our freedom. She represented us and enlisted in our army to serve each and every one of us here in the United States. So first and foremost, thank you, Morgan, for that. And a little bit more about Morgan. She is a real estate agent in Louisville, Kentucky. She is a mother of two. She is a bourbonista, and she is a passionate advocate of the arts. Now, I don't know about you guys. I've never been a big bourbon drinker. I like it a little bit, 
but the smell kind of gets me. And I feel like for a couple of days, I have this like bourbon aura. And so I'm, it's going to be kind of funny to hear Morgan's perspective. And I shared with Morgan before we even started the show, my husband is a big, big bourbon lover. And not that he drinks it excessively, but he enjoys a nice glass of bourbon with his buddies. So someday we're going to do the bourbon trail in Kentucky. But without further ado, Morgan Hancock, welcome to the Robin Graham Show. Thank you so much for having me, man. That that intro, I was... <laughs> I was, it didn't, didn't feel worthy, but wow, that was great. Thank you. And Bourbon Aura, you've just given me a, a new idea of maybe potentially a exhibit or theme. I like that, having a Bourbon Aura. We, every, a lot of people in Kentucky have one of those. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Morgan, before we dive into our conversation, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be so powerful. And I know everyone listening is going to leave with some really incredible pieces of information that they can then take forward into either their life or their business. But before we do that, will you just tell the listeners a little bit about your journey to get to where you are today? Yes, I will do my best to explain the journey because it's been uh, zigzag circles all over the place. And sometimes I don't even know how I I got got here. Um, So I have... um, always been passionate about a lot of different things and so that's led me uh, a lot of different directions um but for this particular um venture and passion project of mine bourbon with heart is the name of my nonprofit organization um i grew up as an only child in a small town and uh so there's a lot of boredom that comes with that so i would fill that 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 space with creating things so i was always an artist um and a writer, and every type of art, performing arts, visual arts, uh, even some stand-up comedy, I consider that an art, Um, and so that just always meant a lot to me, creating, and something I was always passionate about, and I've also always been a Kentuckian, so you can't really be a Kentuckian without being passionate about our staple industry, which is bourbon, and so this, and really creating bourbon is an art. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's distilling is an is an art form, and all the the master distillers here describe it that way. Mm-hmm. And so, this is really combining two of the best things about Kentucky: uh, it's bourbon and and it's artist. So, it's certainly a unique business model. Yeah. I, I mean, is there any other um, liquor or alcohol or wine related nonprofit out there? Not that I know of, and. So our tagline is Kentucky's first and only arts-focused bourbon charity, although I'm a 99.9% sure I could say the world's first and only arts-focused bourbon charity. Uh, so maybe we, maybe we should change that one day to the world's because I'm pretty sure we could uh, truthfully claim that. Okay, so let's talk at, for, at first. And listeners, we're not gonna, this is not a show about alcohol, but I do want to... <laughs> I want to ask you, like, when it comes to bourbon, what is, because it is an art, and I know from my husband, like, there are so many different levels, but bourbon is different than scotch, and it's like bourbon whiskey, but bourbon is like an elevated type, right? Like, give us a little history about bourbon. So, people, there is one misconception that bourbon has to be made in Kentucky. It doesn't have to be made in Kentucky. Um, the, the saying that we say is 90% 
of the world's bourbon is made in Kentucky. 100% of the world's good bourbon is made in Kentucky. Um, <laughs> so, but it, it is not a requirement. It, it's all about the formula and, and how it's made. And um, to break that down, exactly, I, I can definitely, people can just Google that, you know, the formula for bourbon. Yeah, uh, we, we won't break it down right here. But it's, a, um, so it is just the, the, basically the recipe, the craft. Um, but yeah, here in Kentucky, um, as I said, it really is an art form and it's something that really our community gathers around. Uh, it's a culture. It's, it's, we call, um, bourbonism. I mean, if you go all through downtown, there's flags on every pole. It, it says bourbonism. It is a culture here in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And so everyone in the world knows that Kentucky is the leader of the bourbon industry. But what most people don't know is we have a very, very robust arts culture here. And art is incredibly important to Kentuckians. And we have so much rich talent here. So we're kind of using this existing popularity and influence of the bourbon industry to then bring in that awareness and and raise funds and educate people on our thriving arts culture. And it's working. So I absolutely love this concept. So everybody who's been listening for a long time knows that I started my branding business as a branding photographer. And so, you know, I have a medical background and then I completely transitioned into the art and followed my passion, right, to to become a professional photography. And that all started with still life photography. To me, art has so much value. And anytime we can tap into our creativity, and what I think is really sad is because of the chaos of life, oftentimes people lose sight of their creativity. They they don't remember that creativity is innate. We all have a piece of creativity within us. And maybe we are not published artist or, you know, famous artist, but we have a gift inside of us of creativity. And when we tap into that creativity, it's like therapy. It releases positive endorphins. It, it helps with dopamine release. And it allows us to then be more creative in our work and be more pleasant in our relationships. So there are five, what is it? The five, it's Maslow's hierarchy. Maslow's hierarchy. Right. right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit because I want to put this in perspective because obviously you're passionate about art. I'm passionate about art. I love the marriage of taking an artistry of creating bourbon and marrying it with other forms of art to increase awareness and give artists. And I know that your bourbon barrel exhibit, for example, and I would imagine the Bowtie exhibit as well that's coming up in April, those are, you have hobbyists. They're not all famous, you know, accomplished artists. You have people from every walk of life and every level of ability showcasing their work. And I think it's the most beautiful thing that you're giving people an opportunity. So tell us a little bit about like the hierarchy of um, our needs and how art comes to play, comes into play. And then we'll talk a little bit more about your organization. Right. Well, as you said, I mean, we're all we're all have an innate desire to create. Um, so everyone is an artist in in a sense. Uh, we're constantly humans have to be constantly creating, um, whether that is an entrepreneurial venture or it's a art piece. You know, it's a painting. Um, but yeah, so the Manslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, you know, it's, it has the five things that all humans need. And at the kind of at the higher end of that is 
where most people would place art. Um, it's creating, it's self-expression. Um, but then one thing that's interesting about Bourbon with our art organization is see, we're also raising funds for other nonprofits. And these nonprofits are not necessarily art related. In fact, so far, none of them have been. So these nonprofits meet much more of those, those bottom basic needs, you know, food, shelter, security. Um, we have one that's blankets for the homeless. We have a big homelessness pro problem here in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, one's, you know, trauma-informed literacy, so teaching children to read who have been in, uh, you know, traumatic situations. And so we're using, we're kind of, this organization is very holistic in that it's meeting all these, these needs that we have as humans. I love it so much. And some of the organizations, as I was researching you, I looked at the organizations you're supporting and they're doing amazing work. And I think this is an important thing to recognize is that when you're a nonprofit, it doesn't mean you're, it doesn't mean you have to only support your cause. You're able to create uh, revenue, I guess, for, or, or funds to then give to other organizations. So it's more of almost a foundation that you have, and then you're trickling everything you do down into the community on different levels through other organizations, which I love. And I love that your organization, so we talk about the physiological needs, um, security, the, the sense of belonging, sense of self-esteem, and then the self-actualization. And art is such a powerful thing for self-esteem, for self-actualization, for a sense of belonging. And what you're doing by having these exhibits and bringing these artists in is giving people a sense of belonging. And then, of course, you're raising the funds to give back to all these organizations who are doing incredible things. So I love your business model. So let's transition into that. So if a listener, and I happen to have a client right now who, a couple of clients right now, actually, who are considering um, starting a nonprofit, what are the top tips you have? Like, what does it take to start a nonprofit? I know you're a realtor in your day job, but, and this was kind of a passion project for you in the beginning. And so obviously I think that Anytime you want to start something, passion has to be present because that's what's going to help move you forward. But tell us a little bit more about what it takes to build a, a not successful nonprofit. Right. So one of the kind of mantras that has um, guided me for quite some time, I when I was a teenager, I worked with a company called Leadership Institute. And one of the things that our boss, uh, it was kind of political based. Um, I, I worked for a while in managing political campaigns. And um, one of the things he would always say to us is you owe it to your philosophy to learn how to win. And what he meant by that was, you know, we had a lot of people who wanted to get into politics because they were very passionate about a certain principle. Um, and the passion has to be there. But sometimes that's not going to be enough if you don't also know how to win. Um, and, and, and in politics, that was a great training ground for putting this into practice. But it applies to any any venture, uh, any industry. Um, so, yes, I'm very passionate about what I'm doing with the, with the art community and with these other nonprofits. Um, but if I don't know how to the business strategies to win... It's, it's all going to be for 
And when I say win, I mean, get this off the ground, execute it, you know, succeed, then, then it's more, it's just a good intention. Mm -hmm. Um, And so growing into starting a nonprofit, a lot of people are doing it because they're just very passionate about a good cause. And that's definitely you got that's the first step, you got to have that. Uh, But then there's you got to have a lot more. So one of the main things is because I've seen this with a lot of people who are very passionate about a good cause, but they're, they're scared to ask for money. And if you are, if, if you can't, if you're not comfortable asking people for money, starting a nonprofit is going to be very hard for you because you do it all day, every day. <laughs> um, so that's definitely number one, because a lot of people cringe at asking other people for money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other, the, well, the second one is, you know, you're a, you're a CEO. Um, I, I am a CEO. I, uh, you would treat it like any other business, being a CEO of any other business. I mean, whether it's marketing, communications, executing, uh, accounting, uh, hiring, it's everything. I'm running a, a, a business. Mm-hmm. So go into it with the mindset that I'm a CEO, not um, I'm just you know starting a, something because uh, it's a good cause and I want to help people. It, it's going to do that. <laughs> but in order for it to be successful, you have to go in thinking like, a CEO. Um, and then don't be afraid of self-promotion. I, I, I've realized that a lot of people who get into nonprofit, and this is a good thing because they're they're humble. They really care about other people. So sometimes it goes against the stereotypical personality of maybe a nonprofit person to self-promote a lot. And I can tell you for sure this organization would not be as successful as it is if I hadn't gone out there and really become a, a face of it. And and that could sound, some people may not like how that sounds, but a lot of people are, are donating and supporting me first mm-hmm. um, because I made that connection with them and I went out there and they, they had a face to put to it. And and then, you know, sometimes they get in and then they see, oh, wow, this is really doing a lot of good. But if I hadn't put myself out there and, and self-promoted, I probably wouldn't connected with a lot of these people. Um, so don't be afraid to make yourself the face of a nonprofit even. Exactly. And, you know, this ties into personal branding, which we talk a lot about. And you've done a phenomenal job of creating a personal brand and differentiating yourself from all others, like other nonprofits that are out there from who you are, what your life experiences have been, what your passions are and, and coming up with a unique business model, but being the, the persona, like you are the brand. And I say this all the time, like when I'm working with my clients, we start with that personal brand. How can we differentiate you from everybody else in your area of expertise? So in the nonprofit world, how can you become the face of the, of the organization so that people can build that emotional connection, trust that you're going to take their money and use it for good? Because I think that, you know, there are organizations out there that aren't trustworthy. And so, you know, and people are skeptical, like, well, where is this money going? Is it going in their pocket or is it going to, you know, be put to good use? So I think it's really, really important to build that, to have a personal brand, build the emotional connection, because what that's going to do is build trust and confidence in you and your organization. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that particularly in the nonprofit industry, people are hesitant to become a face of their 
their brand. Um, but like I said, for for me in my experience, and, and I was a little nervous about it at first too, you know, how will this be, how would that be perceived? But it's really uh, given me an edge, mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, in the industry, uh, just for all the reasons that, that you said. And um, another one is, so people don't think of when they're going into the nonprofit industry uh, of there being competitors and competition. And that's, some people think that's a bad way to look at a nonprofit. Um, but I think it's naive to, to pretend that or to have the mindset that there is no, com- there are no competitors. Yeah. Um, so I try to work with other nonprofits whenever I can. Obviously, we hashtag nonprofits working together is one of our big posts, uh, hashtags when we're posting because we, we give to other nonprofits. We support each other. Um, but you do need to know who your nonprofit, quote unquote, competitors are, um, because if you're not kind of competing, and th- then there's never going to be innovation. There's never going to be getting better, and so you're kind of doing a disservice to the community that you're serving if you don't try to get a little better, maybe then. The, the person next to you, the organization next to you. Um, and I, I want to be careful about how I say that because I'm saying it because it serves a greater, a greater good. If there's no competition, there's no, um, improving. And yeah, so if you, it's if healthy. I, yeah, it's healthy, it's healthy competition. It's not yeah. that you're pitting yourself against another organization, but especially in the nonprofit world. But you know what? Even in the coaching industry, I would imagine even in the real estate industry that you're in, you know, if somebody else is out there, you have to stand out as the best. You have to be the one to be present and demonstrate that you're the one that deserves the dollars, (laughs) whether, you know, it's being hired or whether it's, you know, for a donation. And so that healthy competition is great. What I think people oftentimes get stuck with when it comes to competition is, you know, people say, oh, there, there's no competition. There's enough for everyone. Yes. But if you aren't constantly improving and growing, you're going to, people will lose sight of you. So that's where I think it comes into play. Like you have to look at it as, okay, you know what? I do want to be the best. I do want to have a living off of this. I do want to support other organizations. So I do have to push myself to be ever present and, you know, constantly front of mind. Because if you're not, and innovative, I think that is probably the key word there is innovation, right? Right. And I you know, I think people struggle with, you know, competition and, and wanting to have that competitive mindset in any any industry. And then, as I said, particularly in the nonprofit industry, because people think, oh, I, you know, I shouldn't be taking from another charity. That's, but, but then that's not really what I'm saying. But yeah, if you, if by all means, if you can ever collaborate or partner, do it. And, and we, we do strive to do that. But it's also, it's not just competition isn't just making me better. It's making the other organizations better. Yeah. Because then they say, "Oh, I need to, I need to up my game," and so, so it, it, it's not even. So while it may see sound self serving, it's making everyone better, mm-hmm. uh, and then, then, consequently, making our community better, and we're able to be serve more people. 
Absolutely. And it's that ripple effect of good, right? I say that all the time that, you know, that's my goal. I want to create that ripple effect of good in the world. And, you know, doing that, being more innovative and pushing, pushing the bar, so to speak, right? Then you're pushing the bar for everyone, excuse me, for everyone else as well. Right. And so I've, I'm learning new stuff, you know, of course, every day and some unexpected things are happening as we continue to grow things I didn't think I was going to have to think about or consider. And along these same lines of competition, I won't say uh, the organization's names yet, but it will be public later. But I had a large nonprofit organization approach me and they said, um, we so to go back, this is the first bourbon barrel art exhibit uh, that had been done uh, here, and which also is crazy to me. And that's a whole other story of why has no one done that yet. But so now all of a sudden, a lot of people are wanting to do them because they saw the success of it and, and how much we raised and how excited people got about it. And so I had a large organization reach out and say, uh, you know, we love what you've done. We've watched it. Um we would like to do a bourbon barrel art exhibit fundraiser uh, and they serve a much larger territory than I do. They're much more established than me. Uh, they probably got a lot bigger wallet than me. And so it was, it was hard at first because I thought my, because my initial reaction was you can't steal my idea. Like, like that's my idea. But then I thought, well, is that, that's a terrible, I mindset to have because they're gonna they're gonna serve such a huge community and this could do a lot of good and and so I was like okay now I need to really think am I is this about me now or is this about the community and really kind of like assess my intent you know intentions or motivations because the way that that may hit me but then the more I thought about it and I spoke with some of my board members um they said you know no, it's it's not selfish to want to protect something that you work so hard for, um, but there there's got to be a way that yeah, I don't want to hoard this all to myself. But I also want to protect what I work so hard to build. Mm-hmm. So we actually came to an amazing um, agreement where I they're going to use Barrels of Heart, which is my exhibit's name and my logo and. And I'm almost now uh, got the attorneys got it all typed up and they've agreed to it. It's like a licensing situation now that this has turned into where now other people can do a barrel of heart exhibit, but it will always be bourbon with hearts exhibit. They're just expanding it. And so that was a way to kind of now all these people can be served in communities. I, I really realistically couldn't reach that territory. You know, mm-hmm. so it would mm-hmm. have been selfish to hold that. Yeah. But now now in a way that protects my brand and and my work. Um, and so I think when you're in nonprofit organizations or any organization, you need to not view it as selfish or be afraid to protect what you've worked so hard to build. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's that's part of service, right? Um, when we can see a bigger picture instead of holding things so close to us that we're not willing to help someone else so that they can then get ahead of us. But the reality is if they do, then why don't we look at it as a collaboration and see how much good we can create? So I love that you did that. I think that's fabulous. So we talked about the, excuse me, the barrel 
of heart exhibit, but the next one is bow ties. And I think this is so cute. And I love, so, you know, we've done like Napa and you see a lot of things like American flags and all these different things made out of barrels now. Like I've seen crosses and all these different things, but your bow tie exhibit is going to be the the bow ties that the artists will be painting or creating on are were made by veterans. So I would love for you to talk about that as well and how serving, you know, you're you're doing something so incredible for all these organizations and you're bringing veterans in to give them an opportunity to serve and create as well. So talk I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. So the these are bourbon barrel bow ties. So it as you said, these are actually bow ties made out of bourbon barrels. Um, and I've never, ever seen anywhere else do that before. Uh, but it's perfect for Kentucky. I mean, we have the Kentucky Derby yeah. and bourbon. I mean, it's, what, what better match there? Um, but yes, yeah, so the, the group that has hand carved these, and at some point we're going to be sharing the video of actually taking the barrel, breaking it down, pulling off the stave, and let you guys see the whole process of them carving these. Cause it's really, it is an art. Uh, woodworking is an art. Yeah. And, um, so these are a group of U.S. military veterans who discovered that woodworking helps their PTSD. Mm-hmm. And one thing that was so interesting is they had never viewed themselves as artists before. Cause I, I said something about being, you know, artist and, and I think there is sometimes a stereotype of what the artsy type is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these kind of, you know, macho U.S. veterans who are just making wooden flags, you know, they, they don't think of they're the art gallery, maybe type. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, well, you know, I want to combine your, you got these artists with them, the woodworkers with my, um, my artists who are going to be then hand painting them in the gallery. And those are just two worlds that would not, come together typically mm-hmm. um but you know I, I continue to tell these woodwork, like you guys are artists these are artists this is something that unites you guys and you would probably never be united otherwise so mm-hmm. yes yeah, so there these u.s military veterans are hand carving the bow ties they're actually already done um and then local artists are hand then hand painting the bourbon barrels i mean bourbon barrel bow ties and then they'll be in display on display. There's 50 of them. They'll be on display at what is the official hotel of the Kentucky Derby. It's already sold out for Derby. It's huge. It's a um, so all the people that come in for Derby will then be able to view this art gallery of handcrafted bourbon barrel bow ties. Welcome them to Kentucky, and it's already going amazing. We've got we the artist call ended yesterday. So we've got all the artists. It's 25 artists, 50 bow ties. They each do two. And each one will be sponsored. That's how we raise the funds. And so we've already, we haven't even hardly promoted the sponsors yet, but they're already pouring in. It's kind of an overflow from the ones who, when we sold out of the barrels that they wanted to sponsor. Um, and uh, again, the proceeds will in part go to other nonprofits and then as well as you know the artist and, and to this whole project. Mm-hmm. 
I love it so much. So my father was a master woodworker and he created some incredible, and my grandfather was too. And it is so therapeutic. I think like that was my dad's release after a stressful day. He would be out in his wood shop and that, you know, for hours and hours and hours, but it is an artist artistry because you, you, it's your vision that you're putting into, and it takes a lot of talent to be so detailed. So I think that's amazing that you're getting so many opportunities for not only people to be seen as artists, but to build a sense of community and that sense of belonging. And it's so true. My dad was this macho guy, you know, like football player, weightlifter, like just macho. And yet the detail that his huge hands could create it. It's so, it's so amazing. But if you had asked him if he was an artist, mm -mm, he never would have said that, but he was. Exactly. And I've, uh, I've been calling them closet artists, but but I've found, (laughs) I've I've been pulling them, a lot of them out um, because they just have never thought of themselves in that way. And um, I'm not sure why or when that started that, an artist looks like this or, you know, when those are clearly art forms. Um, And I think it's kind of been an empowering thing for them, you know, oh, I'm an art, you know, I'm an artist. And um, I think I have kind of noticed that people are, some people are scared to take that leap. There's some weird hesitation of when you get to say, I am an artist, like it's like, what are the qualifiers? Some people have a hard time saying that. Mm -hmm. And so, I feel like we've also empowered a lot of people to be able to confidently say, yeah, I am an artist. Um, And art, you know, it's just, um, you know, this, this podcast is a lot about, about business. Um, And, but one of my favorite things about art, I've worked in advertising for over a decade and my, and I consider advertising an art form as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of my favorite things about advertising is taking something that's invisible in my mind and making it a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what art is. And that's what really we are, if we look at our lives sort of as a canvas, that's what we are doing. We can recreate everything around us through the power of our imagination. And I think that that's just a beautiful and that's a message that that people need to hear. Yeah, I agree 100%. So Morgan, this has been just such a pleasant conversation. You're a ray of sunshine, a beautiful light for your community as well as as the rest of us. You know, you don't have to be in Kentucky to be inspired by you. So thank you for, again, for your service to our country. And thank you for what you're doing to build more community and get more visibility on the arts and give more people opportunity to showcase their talents. I have one last question for you. Are, are the bow ties and barrels for sale? Like, do you sell that, sell them after they or auction them off as another way to make additional funds or how do you do that? Um, so I get asked that question a lot. So the bourbon barrels are all sold out for this year. Um, they sold out very, very quickly. Um, however, the bow ties, the way we're going to do it is since there's 50 of them, 25 will be sponsored that will be spoken for, uh, but then we're going to leave 25 available for sale once the exhibit is on display. So starting April 1st through May 6th, which is the Kentucky Derby, they will be available for, for 25 of them will be available for sale. And anybody who happens to be in Louisville or going to the Derby, it's the Galt Hotel, right? 
the Galt House Hotel. It's or the Galt House, yeah. Yeah, it's the main um yeah. hotel of of Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, and um but you you'll be able to view them and purchase them online. Okay. That's yeah, cool. I've stayed at the Galt House. It's quite okay. quite spectacular when I was working there. Um that was where they would put us up. So that was pretty awesome. Um all right, Morgan, thank you so much for being here with us today. And how can the listeners connect with you, learn more about you, and support your organization? So it's easy, just bourbonwithheart.org. And on all social medias, it's bourbonwithheart. So just liking us, sharing us, telling people about us um, is really the best best thing I could ask for. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And listeners, I would love to know if this inspired you. I know that, you know, it's, it's somewhat intimidating to think about starting a nonprofit. I know I've had this like pull on my heart for a long time and I've never taken the initiative. I am on the board of a nonprofit and I find that quite fulfilling and very interesting. There are a lot of, um, I see it all the time. There is this hesitation to ask for money, but I think when you look at it and approach it as it's a need and what you're doing or what the outcomes are when that money is given, you're actually giving somebody else the opportunity to feel fulfilled by donating and then you're serving a purpose with that money. So I think that was a great takeaway from the show. And I would really appreciate it, listeners, if you would share the episode. Be sure and reach out and thank Morgan for everything she's doing and for being a service veteran of our beautiful country, the United States. And thank you all for being here. Have a great day and I'll see you next week. And that's a wrap, friends. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review. That would mean the world to me. If you know someone who could use the information shared today, please share the episode with them too. And let's connect. You can find me on Instagram, Clubhouse, Facebook, and LinkedIn as The Robin Graham. Lastly, if you'd like more information on personal branding and brand marketing strategies, be sure to join my email list and the Female Entrepreneur Insider Facebook group. We are there every week with tips and trainings to help you build a solid foundation for brand and business success. And don't forget, on the website, you can find a plethora of free resources. Go to therobingraham.com forward slash resources and download any of the free resources that I have created to help you build a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact. Until next time, remember to smile.